and welcome to the Abiding Together podcast. Abiding Together is a place where you can find connection, rest, and encouragement on your journey with Jesus Christ. My name is Sister Miriam James Heitland, and every week I'm joined by two of my dearest friends, Michelle Bensinger and Heather Kim. This podcast is born out of our friendship of sharing all kinds of things together, our walk with Christ, our insights, our joys, sorrows, tears, and laughter, and you are most welcome on the journey with us. So grab a cup of coffee, settle in, and welcome home. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Abiding Together podcast and welcome to the second week of Advent. And so what we shared with you last week, we are having four amazing guests on for these four weeks who are bringing the light into the darkness of wherever they are. So last week we talked to Father Justin Brady and this week we have a really wonderful guest too, which I'm going to let Michelle introduce to you. But before that, Heather, I just want to check in with you and see how Advent is for you and what you are looking forward to these days. What's going on, girl? I mean, Advent is happening, and I'm really happy about it. The one thing that is just overtaking all my thoughts is we're moving into our new house in the new year, and so I'm trying to be present to the moment instead of looking forward to the future, because I kind of just want to fast forward right now (laughs) for an entire month to just get into our new house. So I'm having to really practice a lot of like pause, be present in the moment, because it is a beautiful Mm -hmm. season, and I love it so much. How are you, Michelle? I'm good. Everything is good and calm, and I love Advents. And yeah, life is good. So mm-hmm. right now, I mean, and um, I'm excited because I get to hang out with sister for a little while. I was this just going to say that. I was just. Or are you going to say, say that? that? I totally steal. Which we we like share a brain cell or something. Okay, we yeah. do. <laughs> but it happened very organically that we actually get to go hang out with our good friend Father Josh Johnson and sister's doing a parish mention. Oh, so fun. he's only three hours away. So I'm going to drive over there and play and be with them. And so that's. A highlight. Yay. We we gonna have a party. So and Michelle, you have the honor of introducing our wonderful guest who we were all laughing about earlier. We we're like, we should have been recording our pre-talk, but here we are. So Michelle, do you want to introduce our guest that we're going to interview today? Yes. I would love to introduce you to my really good friend. We've known each other since college. He and Heather and I went to school together at Franciscan University. The man, the myth, the legend, any Hickman. We are so excited to have you here. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And Annie and I have known each other. We got to know each other doing like Steubenville Youth Conferences, you know, back in the day. And what's really scary is we're still doing Steubenville Conferences. You're still doing youth. I'm not, but I'm doing the adult ones. At least I think maybe that means I'm more mature, but I don't know. But we are still doing it together, like ministry together 20 years later. Isn't that crazy? And we used to get so mad that we weren't in proximity, you know, and then, but the Lord kept working through us and together. And now, we're on a podcast together and all three of you I have I feel like I have separate relationships with at various times in my life and um, so it's so cool to sit down because this would be like a normal thing you know in, in, in other circumstances so like come on the podcast it's like yeah that's We've been doing this for a while, mm-hmm. you know. We have we just uh, use it to hang out with our friends. Uh, so we're yeah. super happy. Much like, hey, you want to hang out? <laughs> so Grab good. a cup of coffee and settle Can you in. Talk about something. So good. And we were just talking about, but in the in the pre-talk, like we were saying, um, we've we've not only uh, kept our good looks, but we I think we've we've gotten better looking. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. Girl. This is what forty us. people in their forties tell yes, themselves. Exactly. Uh, it's oh. great, y'all look. I mean, I want to say you look the same, but you don't. You look better. Oh, oh thanks, look at, oh, Keep well, on talking. No, yeah, keep I'm on not, talking. I, I think I look better than I. You, do you look refined, and you look you do. refined, <laughs> like a fine wine. 
Yeah. <laughs> Yesterday's wine. That's right. Uh-huh. There you go. Oh. So. Well, anyway, you have a beautiful just ministry in your marriage and with your family, but also to the community uh, as well. And so the guiding scripture we're going to use for your podcast is from the Gospel of Matthew um, chapter 25, where Jesus says, I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. And this particular outreach, this particular way of life, this gospel living has a, a perfect, affected you profoundly. So can you tell us, tell us, our, tell our listeners a bit of your story and how the Lord has touched your life and, and all the beautiful things? I, I can I, I can attribute about ninety nine point nine percent of what how God has touched me and used me in my life um, to my wife. You know, Kana. Um, I, I want to imagine when Kana and I met, uh, God was just going yes, like that. You know, like I think I think I I love I love imagining God enjoying the serendipity, kind of like having pets. But of course, we're not his pets. It's just like. <laughs> You like to see, I love to see my lab like get into stuff. And, you know, like I want to imagine the creator just seeing Kane and I meet up and our stories and how, you know, she was baptized in a river, you know, and, you know, by bona fide Jesus hippie, you know, folks in the 70s. And, you know, me growing up a block and a half from the Catholic church, you know, growing up in sacramental life and then kind of experiencing conversion. Um, and then both of us, kind, you know, admiring the saints and especially Francis, both of us looking for, oh, just this simplicity. And when it came down to me, you know, making that final decision, I like, you know, I, I like to say I left the world like Francis, you know, um, courting lady poverty and the simplicity of the gospel. And especially, you know, Matthew 25, just these very simple this is the way with a capital W always really, um, yeah, that was just always more attracted to that than, um, you know, it's like, I, I'm trying to live the truth that I know currently. I'm not trying to add more truth, you know, because it's like, mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'll get there hopefully, but, but the, the simple things of the gospel always, you know, I was really attracted to that. So, um, so by the time Kane and I got together, her conversion from evangelical Protestantism, you know, missionary in Guatemala for, you know, she, she was raised by missionaries. And, and then us meeting together, I think that God um, really had an incredible plan there. And, and I, you know, we like to joke that um, it could have been anybody, you know, Franciscan, it's kind of like who, like who you're dating your senior year, it's just <laughs> who you're going to marry. <laughs> You know, so like it could have it could have been anybody, but we like to say I'm so glad it's you. You know, like I'm so Aww. glad it was you that God like you know put put with me, and He really knew what I was doing. So it, um, you know, my yeah, I just I love I love marriage. I love um, being Cana's husband, and so I think mm-hmm. a lot of what we do and the way that God uses our ministry um, has just really been born out of you know she and I experimenting with love and experimenting with knowing someone fully and then still accepting them and still loving them and still Mm -hmm. serving them. And, you know, when you, when you're annoyed by somebody, how do you, um, how do you use this discipline of feeding and clothing and loving? Um, you know, cause I do, I believe that Jesus is is her like you know the 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 poor in her the need in her the poverty in her um you know uh, how do, how do i love her and then vice versa receiving this love that you know she knows all of my imperfections and more 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 of my imperfections than i can even see 
you know, mm-hmm. and uh, and then she just still choosing to, you know, make my coffee in the morning, you know, that, that sort of <laughs> stuff that you're like, why? I was such a jerk last night. And yet here oh. you are loving me. So I think, you know, that the 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 marriage bond and the sacrament, you know, we can talk about the sacramentality of that that grace and all that. But I think just making a decision for us, um, cooperating with that grace um, in our own home and with our own children has given us the capacity to then kind of look, all right, who, you know, who's the lonely and who's the poor and who's those that are in need of community or food or whatever, you know, and be indis- mm-hmm. being indiscriminate um, with every human being uh, has really come out of our marriage. I would give all the credit to that. Mm-hmm. Which I absolutely love about you guys. Like, I think mm-hmm. it is like how you open your, um, like we were even talking about this podcast topic, like there's no room in the end. You guys are the ones that make room for people, whether mm-hmm. it be in your hearts or in your homes. And your whole idea of hospitality is just always inspired me. Like we started doing family dinners because one of our uh, young adults in Pensacola now was in Houston for a while, was a missionary in Houston for a while. And she saw how the Hickmans did family dinner. Mm-hmm. And I, she came back and said, we have to start this. And I was like, absolutely. Like, so mm-hmm. um, I just love your whole idea about loving your neighbor and hospitality and open your home. And uh, just how did y'all even start that? Like, how mm-hmm. did you start even having doing family dinners? I love the story that you tell about your son. So oh, I, I love, love that. Yeah. It's so <laughs> yeah. Please tell us that guys, story. Because any y'all have like seven kids. Don't you have seven kids? We have seven kids, yeah, uh, currently yeah. seven kids. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's a, you know, we, we oftentimes, I mean, as far as like hospitality goes, I mean, I think that word um, carries with it a lot of um, perceptions that I, I don't think Amen. are true, right? So, you know, you think of hospitality and growing up in the South, you know, you, you imagine people walking around with hors d'oeuvres. Um, and, you know, and, and, you know, tiny cups or whatever the case, like the, the, (laughs) that's, I mean, that's serious. Like that, that was, that's the mentality. It's a picture you get of hospitality. And although that's cool and that is a part of hospitality, true hospitality really comes from the heart and, you know, you know, so making, making your heart guest ready is really the hard work. And then the, the hospital, like inviting people into your home, that's the easy, that's the easy side of things because, um, when you're ready to sit and listen and give people permission to be themselves authentically in that space, like creating space there, that's, that's how we kind of feel like that's, that's the hospitality we're going for because that's what we're looking for as well. You know, we're, we're in this, but I do have to point out, we did not invent family dinner. <laughs> I mean, like the the even the name of it is just so it it's it's um it's everyone's. And I think you know when we were thinking about naming, you know, our 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 ministry is called Delray Collective, and and you know a lot like Greenhouse Collective. The idea is not that it's something that we sort of invented or created, and everybody should model their thing after us but more encouraging and empowering people to say, you can do this. This is Amen. not, you know, like <laughs> you, you make all these excuses to not, you know, it's just, it, it's those simple things. Um, you know, and I think the, and I, I apologize if I go on. So I'm, I'm, my mom says, ask any what time it is. He'll tell you how to build a watch. You know, like I, I talk, <laughs> I talk a lot, so I apologize. Um, but you know, I think the history for us was, you know, we were we were going on foreign missions, and then one day we're driving to the airport, 
and we're driving past all this need in our own city. If you've ever been to Houston Hobby, you know, it's just a, it's a rough area of town. So we're driving, we're like, why are we getting on the airplane? Like this looks like Haiti right here. You know, we, we should start. So then, you know, and then I always say God just asked us to keep keep zooming in, you know, and, and then we were driving across town to serve the poor in the inner city. And we're driving past our neighbor across the street that we didn't, we don't even know his name. And, um, you know, I think, and then, and then I'm walking past my family to go talk to my neighbor. And then I'm realizing that God is really, he's looking to make a home in me primarily. He's looking to, he's looking to, for me to be hospitable to him. And then secondarily to look at my 10 foot radius, you know, and that's kind of where, Mm. where we sit, which, Mm. which is very difficult in a, in a digital age of evangelization. You know, it's like, I love all y'all out there. Anybody who's listening, it's just hard to see you, (laughs) but I, but I do see Tom across the street and I do see my um, daughter who's struggling with, you know, in school or whatever. I, I do see these folks. So when you make it your mission to love your neighbor, um, you know, to love God and love your neighbor, oftentimes, uh, it's not going to look as sexy. It's not going to look as cool. It's not going to look as, you know, it's going to be very ordinary. And, and I think that, you know, so for us, we just kept kind of moving closer, closer, closer and, um, realizing that God was asking us to love everyone. And, Mm -hmm. um, and, and so that began, this process. And, and yeah, the story you're, you're mentioning about my son was he came home uh, from Sunday school one Sunday and we were living in a suburban cookie cutter. I was traveling, you know, three, four times a month to speak to in arenas or wherever, you know, big conferences and retreats. And my son comes home from Sunday school and he's like, Hey dad, you know, can we go meet our neighbors? And I was like, why, what are we doing? You know, like, are we selling something, you know, it's time to sell chocolate or, you know, and, um, and he said, no, because my Sunday school teacher that said that Jesus asked us to love our neighbors. So I thought we should meet them. And, uh, so my, you know, so my, my drop right there, my drop, yeah. Yeah, my drop. And, and I know it's so cliche for the mouths of babes, but it was true. Yeah. It's yeah. so true. It, it, it caused us to look back at the simplicity of, Oh, neighbor. Wait, you mean Jeep? When he meant neighbor, he meant neighbor. Like, my, you know, like, it just, it, this mind blowing. You know, how did yeah, I miss is. that? How did I yeah. miss that? That my neighbors are my neighbors, you know? Uh, so, so, uh, so yeah, we began opening our home um, once a week. We've been doing that for. Um, since 2008, so 11 years strong weekly, we have um, opened our doors to our neighbors and friends and family and uh, for a simple meal. And there, we, we pray at the beginning. I have, the, I have our Catholic blessing prayer on the wall. So, you know, those who are not Catholic, um, you know, we have oh, Jewish neighbors that. and Muslim neighbors. And, and I always say at the beginning of the prayer, I said, if you don't know the prayer, it's on the wall. And, uh, and so people can, can read along and that's, that's it. We, we pray there. We thank the Lord for the food and then, uh, we just have a simple meal and let God do what God does in conversation and, um, in dialogue and, um, in love and serving, you know? And so, uh, I could tell you story after story of conversion and, you know, people, you know, just recognizing something that they wanted deeply for their family and, um, you know, it's been um it's been amazing. It's been absolutely amazing. And and 
primarily for us. You know, I feel so, I, I feel so selfish saying that, but the way that God has moved through our neighbors and through the gift of, of, of receiving, you know, receiving their love and receiving uh, what they have to bring to the conversations uh, has been way more than we ever expected. Uh, you know, surprising, surprising how, um, how amazing the people right next door are and how, how what, what, an, what incredible stories they bring to the, to the table. So, um, so yeah, so that's, 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 that's kind of the story of that. I, I hope that suffices. No, that's awesome. Yeah, there's, that's awesome. There's two things that it's making me think about just what you're talking about is the quote from Mother Teresa where, he, where she says, we draw the circle of family too small. There's a problem in the world. We draw the circle of family too small. And, and I think for many of us, we hear that quote, and we go, I love that, you know, and it just stays as a quote that we love. Like it doesn't actually impact our actions. And I'm inspired any because you guys are actually doing it. You know, you're, you're actually opening your door. You're actually creating the circle of family bigger than, than just what's immediately in your home. You know, that you're actually treating people like family. And, and I love what you said about experimenting with love. I thought that's a great practical mm. that we could just like all enter into this Advent season. Can we do an experiment of love? Give a, give a 20, give a 20 to the guy that's like, you know, like experiment with what does it feel like to be like crazy generous? Like the Lord, the Lord is so generous. He's so generous. And what, what is it? What does that experiment look like, you know, for you? Um, you know, you have a couple thousand dollars to, uh, I always want, I've always wanted to do this. When I make a whole bunch of money, this is what I'm going to do. <laughs> I want to buy everybody. Let me know when that happens. I want to like, buy everybody in the Chick Fil A. I just want to walk into a Chick Fil A and be like, "It's on me," you know, like just the hey, whole brother, restaurant. Preach! I'll do it with you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Wouldn't that be fun? I mean, it's just it like I get a kick out of that kind of stuff, and I think that the disarming, you know, nature of love is something that oh. that, that we see in the gospel so often, where it's like mm. he doesn't have to. You know, he doesn't have to do any of these. He doesn't have to heal. He doesn't have, but because he just, he's moved and then he just disarms the whole situation. It says that, you know, when they wanted to throw him off the cliff and stone him, he, he walked right back through their midst. How did he do that? I, I guarantee you it was by love. It was by looking them all in the face and saying, I love you. I love you. Mm. You know, like I, I'm, I'm for you. I'm not, again, those types of things I think in our culture in our society, you know, that's just just wrought with division and scandal and um, fear of neighbor and fear of other. I think that the gospel's disarming love has such a need, and it starts right in our own homes, and it's and it goes right to our immediate neighbors and beyond. And and again, we didn't invent this. This is nothing new. This is uh, this is the gospel, and there are. There are a lot of people doing it all over the country. And that's kind of why we started Delray Collective is to say, okay, who are the crazies out there that are opening their home to their neighbors? Who are the crazies out there who want to be a part of this? And so um, that's why we called it a collective. It was just, you know, it's everybody. We learned from, we learned from each other. I've learned from the three of you, you know, how to do this. Um, I, you know, I don't take any of the, you know, we don't take any of the credit for inventing it. Mm. I love that though. And I think there's something powerful with just beginning where you are. I think we, uh, 
Chris and I say this all the time, gosh, we make the gospel so much harder than it really is. I mean, it is really simple. It is breaking bread and reading the word together and going to mass on Sunday. And it is talking to your neighbor and loving the people right in front of you. But I think in this day and age where we think we have to have a platform and we have to have this and that, and mm-hmm. no, we just have to have gospel love. Like we just have to have an encounter with Jesus and then he will overflow what the next right step is. And I love that whole context in what you're talking about, like zooming in, you know, like where is the God zooming your lens in right now? You know, like if you ask, he'll respond like that. Holy Spirit's cool that way. Like if you say, hey, tell me where I was supposed to zoom, he'll answer you. Like he will point out the, you know, this is where you need to be. This is where I want you to look, you know? And like you said, it's it's not glamorous, but the gospel's Mm -hmm. not glamorous. The gospel's fruitful and beautiful and true and good and better than anything we can imagine. But it is usually not like this, you know, glamorous thing, but gosh, it's so good. Simple. Mm-hmm. So simple. I mean, I think, mm-hmm. I think that's the, that, that is sort of that, you know, that paradox is that what's simple oftentimes is harder. It, it's sometimes yeah. easier to overcomplicate it and distract yourself with another book or another thought or another quote or another, rather than just saying, okay, what does it really come, come back to? And I love the way, I, I love what you said you know, Michelle, about, you know, I don't know how, I I usually say start before you're ready. You know, like, I I don't, Mm. I don't, I don't agree with this idea that you have to have, you know, and I I, I hate to say this because (laughs) we, I think people say it all the time. And I, and I always want to disagree. I want to always want to raise my hand and be like, what? People will say, you know, you can't give what you don't have. And I understand to an extent, but none of it is ours. This is all the Lord's work. It's his, it's his grace in me that allows me to do this. So if I'm empty and I'm on the floor and I'm not ready to give a talk or I'm not ready to host people, that's r- beautiful. God can work with that. You know, like God wants to work with the empty vessel. He wants to work mm. with those who are in need as opposed to those who have it all together. We see this time and time in the gospels and the saints that that it was those that said, oh, I am such in need, you know, I, I need, you know, that God was able to fill them up and send them out. And so the idea of starting before you're ready, I think is, is one of those practicals that we always give people to say, hey, whatever, you know, so your floor's not perfect or your bathroom is still being remodeled or, you know, what, what's holding you back from simply loving, you know, starting before you're ready. And, and then, you know, again, yeah, that, um, you know, uh, the average layperson says, you know, I want to get involved. And usually that means like I'll be an usher or lector or, a, mm-hmm. you know, um, volunteer catechist or youth ministers. And all those things are great and fine and good. But until the laity began to, to, to say to the world out in the neighbor, neighborhoods, you know, like here's what the gospel looks like in the everyday, I don't think we're going to do any, any good, you know. And, and, and so it's really be- about becoming the laity in the neighborhoods that I feel is the challenge um, rather than just kind of coasting and going, well, I'm just going to be, you know, I'll be active in my church. Again, finding good, but I believe we are living in a movement in a time where God wants to empower in a very simple way mm-hmm. um, for us to reach our neighbors because the world is desperate. Oh my goodness, they're desperate, you know? Mm-hmm. And and so when you just speak just small things about the Lord and his goodness and the love and mm-hmm. and they look at you and they go, they, they they it's like an alien first. They're looking at an alien. They can't believe that A, we're normal, you know, that like we're not like you know, having a Bible study, you know, every week, but that we're just normal people who enjoy 
tequila, you know, and you know, we, we, <laughs> as all normal people do, I mean, like what's, what's not no. to like, <laughs> or yeah. Or the opposite is like, Oh no, tequila is not for me. I've had a bad experience. That's like the other <laughs> thing that always comes up. Um, but the, but yeah, that we're normal and that be that, that, that you can live and act in an active relationship with Jesus and they want it, you know, they, mm-hmm. they, they have, you know, we've seen it time and time again, they, they really desire it. So, um, to be that vessel before we're even ready, I think is is sort of key because we're never going to be ready. Mm-hmm. It's like the it's like the friends you keep getting together. You know, you say like, "Oh man, we we should go on a double date," and it's literally like mm-hmm. seven years later, and you're like, "We should go on a double." <laughs> well, when things slow down, you know, it's just like, no, things are never going to slow it. down. You're never going to be completely yeah. ready. I love that, Annie, and I yeah, I just I just love your. Can I just say I love your passion and just your zeal? It's just so it's just so attractive of like ah oh, like just because it it what we love exudes from us and you love this, you love people and you love Christ and you love your wife and you love your kids and it exudes from you. And that's, that's the witness. Like that's the witness of discipleship in the world today. It's a man in love with Christ who loves his wife and family. And from that through the, the, the neighborhood. And I, I was wondering, could you share with your listeners, like this way of radical love that you and Cana have embraced, like how has it affected your kids? Like what are some of the ways that this way of loving deeply has affected them as children in society today when, you know, kids, you know, have so many choices before them and so many pitfalls, so to speak, like how has this helped them or how has this blessed them or opened their hearts to others? Mm, I think we've screwed them up royally. I mean, we've really... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they can't think, they can't think other, you know what I mean? You just, it's like the family business. And so, you know, yeah. they're, they're just always with the ragamuff. I mean, they're dragging in the, you know, the craziest looking people with all kinds of weird hair and, you know, and they just like come, you know, come in and, um, you know, and I hate, I hate to, you know, stereotype, but like in the, in the teenage realm, I mean, they're, 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 yeah, it's, it's crazy out there. I mean, they're, you know, just all the confusion. And so I think my, my kids, um, the older ones, although there were moments of, um, you know, uh, oh, do we have to do this again? Or do we have, you know, is this, you know, there, there are always going to be moments. I mean, there's, I, we do that. I mean, it, you know, it's like, oh, mm-hmm. tonight is really not going to be good, but we have to commit to do it. I think they know it's the family business. And then, but that leads to all these other things like listening to the atheist. And listening to those who struggle with same-sex attraction and listening to people, they are seen with sort of the um, unattractive of, of the world and then have these crazy ideas like, you know, <laughs> we're like, you know, if you don't know what you're doing, you're not going to college. You know, if you don't have an idea of what you're studying, you're not going to college. You know, this is something that they believe wholeheartedly that this this storyline that the world has been feeding them, even in Catholic Christian realms where it's the K through eight in Catholic school and then the Catholic high school and then the Catholic college and then the, you know, oftentimes you don't, the rates of success are not, you know, there. The rate, the, the, if, and if they do survive Catholic school, it's because they're um, because of their family and because of the way that they do it. So I, so I think my kids are definitely, they're raised in an environment where they are, they're very open and uh, open to new ideas and, and definitely feel the movement of God in that. You know, so we can attend mass together and then get back in the car and we'll all have picked out the one thing that the Lord is saying in our life, you know, and, and, to, and to be eating 
you know, Mexican food after mass and have this conversation at the table with my kids, um, mm-hmm. they're going to do more incredible. I mean, they're, they're, they're radicals. They're total, they're total nut jobs. Like they really want to <laughs> follow the Lord and they understand sort of that commissioning, I think, um, you know, uh, of the Lord. Now I, I you know, they're not perfect. Uh, and, uh, you know, we still have the, um, you know, the, the normal teenage, um, battles and the toddler fits and all of those things. My kids are not saints. Um, you know, but we do let them kind of explore the playing field of Catholicism. You know, um, you know, I might say it's, um, they all have beautiful charisms and, they're given permission, I think, in our family to go like, yeah, sure, you want to do that? My like my my fifteen year old's like, I'm just gonna like build a tiny house and make beats. I'm just gonna make some beats in the tiny house, and I, I know like that that is that, and and I'm like, okay, man, like give it a go, you know, give it a go. I'll call Ikendolo right now, like you know, if you need some beats, maybe maybe you can start a little side hustle making beats for Ikendolo. I don't know. You know, we're, you know, I always wanted a tiny house. That sounds awesome, man. So, um, so yeah, I think, um, and then again, I think that comes from them experiencing that. And then we, you know, we have a little chant before we break, you know, from prayer or a weekend or whatever. And we, and we, you know, like a huddle, a football huddle, we say, love God, love people. Go Hickmans. Yeah, that's our, oh, I love that's that. our, you know, that's, awesome. you know, that's just the reminder. It's like God and people just go, you know, let's, let's, um, let's go rock and roll. And one thing I love about the way you guys do life and, uh, is that your family is deeply rooted in the church and Catholicism, but you've taught your kids to see people and you've taught your kids to go outside the norm you know, and to really encounter people with this open heart and open this heart of love mm-hmm. and just really asking the um, the harder questions, but always with a posture of love and receptivity of the other, which is such a beautiful gift, you know, because I think a lot of times as parents, we want to keep our kids in a bubble, you know, and just this mm-hmm. little thing. And, you know, because of friends like you all and everything, we're like, no, we, you know, you build a ship and safe harbors, but then you send them out. Like it, we are missionary people. We have to go out of our little circles. And then you come back and form them, build them strong to go back out. Like you don't stay put. And just mm-hmm. your missionary zeal is just always just, yeah, it's just so inspiring and good, you know, yeah. and that's what the world needs and the church needs. I was just thinking, you know, I've pondered that uh, scripture we talked about at the beginning about there's no room at the end, you know, a part of Jesus's story. And many of us may put ourselves in that situation and go, man, if Jesus showed up at my door, I'd be like, sure, you can come on in. I'll make room for you. But but the guy didn't know it was the Savior there, you know, like yeah. he was he was masked in the womb of of Mary. And I think when we encounter the poor, like he, Jesus is there, but he's masked, you know, behind their poverty and maybe some of the, th- the crazy hair or whatever things that are uncomfortable. But any, I would just love to hear like, how have you encountered Jesus through the poor and through your neighbors and uh, where it might be hard to initially see that Jesus is there? How have you encountered him? Oh, my, um, I love the idea of the stable. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, because I mean, it's just a stable. And, and I know we like to point out there's manure and there's animals and we want to point out kind of all the dirty, but it, it was just a purpose. I mean, that's just a purpose. I grew up around horses and cattle and you, you know, it's, it's not a dirty place. It's just a stable, but the stable, um, 
in 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 Christian and Catholic terms, like it's a it's a sacred place now. You know, like he took what was um, just ordinary and just made it sacred. Mm-hmm. And I think that for us, the um, that transformation of our home, the transformation of you know, we're invite when we invite in the needy, the hungry, the poor, the whoever, you know, in, in all of our inadequacy, it's when we have a normal home, people live there, there's messes, there's, you know, it's all those things that we want to point out. But I think the deeper, you know, message for us, or the thing that we felt like we're, when we, inv- we are inviting the Lord into this place, and then it makes our home um, holy ground, sacred, mm-hmm. sacred ground when we, when we bring him in. And then I think, you know, and then the, then 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 one deeper, you know, that my heart can be his home. Um, mm. that he wants to make his home in me, that he wants to be born in me is it's wild. What? The the the, the word incarnate. <laughs> That's insane. The very voice of God, the word going out that created the universe wants to make his home in me. Come on. You know, <laughs> what in the world is this? Like, this is insane. So, so I think that, that the, you know, the one step deeper about hospitality for us and just the, the mind blowing thing that God has done in our life is that, that, you know, he just continues to knock our socks off with this idea of the incarnation that, mm. that I, can be an incarnate, I can be a word made flesh. Like he wants to dwell in me that now in the flesh, I am his body somehow and that I get to be with him. And I think for me as a person that's always like looking for projects, like put me to work, um, you know, like the prodigal son that came home and just said like, I'll just be a slave. You know, I'll just go to work for you, you know, like, and the, and the father saying like, you're not my slave, you're my son, like, get in here, boy. Like, you know, the idea that I don't have to perform to receive this. I don't have to, I am not bound by some slavery or some work thing that I have to do to win his affirmation. He just wants to be born in me. He wants to come and make his home in me. That That's mind blowing. And so I think that when we, when I, when Cana, when our family understands that, that, that Jesus, it's not, it's not a partnership with Jesus. It's not, you know, somebody we call and we go like, Hey, be, you know, could you help me with this? But, but it's, it's somebody who is in us and that we have a, re, we have a relationship We're we're incarnate words. We are words. We are words made flesh, um, in the world. That's a whole different economy. That's like going to work with dad. That's like, mm. you know, that's, that's like, <laughs> so good. It's so a, good. We're part yeah, of so. his thing. You know, like he chose me. I'm his plan. A, you know, like, <laughs> what, what is this? Oh. Me? Oh, you know? Crazy. So yeah, I think that's the, it that's is. been the, that's been the biggest kind of transformation mm-hmm. I think in our life that, you know, in this uh, whole realm of hospitality. Mm-hmm. And you were about out of time, um, but we were just wondering if you could give, and maybe it's the radical experiment of love this Advent, but what would be one practical thing you could give our listeners? What can they do this Advent to really, like you said, to reach out to others? What would be something you could you would give them that you'd be like, hey, just try this and see what happens? Well, one, I would have to say, if this like resonates with you, 
first of all, I love to be in contact, you know, so, so mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're open to, you know, any kind of encouragement or anything like that. If, if anybody, if this resonates with anybody. Um, but, but secondly, I would say it's, you know, if you, um, sat in the front yard, we have, you know, our thing is called open porch and, and the open porch is simply just sit in your front yard. You don't have to, um, you don't have to go looking for neighbors. You don't have to go looking for the poor. You are, you actually just have to make yourself available to them. And so I think if this advent, you were to move your family gatherings from your backyard to your front yard, I think, and, and being open and available, you know, interruptible, we say in our house, you know, being interruptible to our neighbors. I don't even know if that's a word, but, but, but inviting them into that. So even if you say hello when they're walking their dog, that's still, that's it. You know, um, shoveling the snow, right? (laughs) For people in the north, right? (laughs) Because you're a southern boy, right? So ain't no front yard living in Wisconsin right now. (laughs) But you could have a hot chocolate stand. Okay, so the porch is is metaphorical, guys. Uh, You know, um, down here, I mean, there's still flowers blooming in Texas right now. True southern boy. Yeah, Yeah. no, but true. Just making yourself available, I think, and 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 being intentional about being visible to your neighbors, so that those face to face um, interactions can take place Mm. that's the one thing maybe we could do amen amen and i just think like just to encourage our listeners yeah just to see where the holy spirit guides you in this Mm -hmm. process and he does miraculous things in a stable he does a lot with our simple we don't have to um you know like make feed the five thousand. we just have to give him our loaves of bread you know like Mm -hmm. and say hey multiply this you Mm -hmm. know so that's what he is asking of us and then uh, one quick story before we end. So I hadn't seen any in a while and I had come to do an event last year in Houston and the people that were helping us with the event said, hey, family dinner is coming is tonight. You need to go over the Higmans. I'm like, oh yeah, totally. So let me surprise Indy and Kana and so uh-huh. and head over there. So went over there and it was so awesome to surprise them. And so Indy and I are sitting in the backyard catching up and this girl comes up to us. Do you remember this? This young girl comes up to us with this other guy, young adult, and she said, excuse me, you don't know who I am, but I just want to tell you because Innie and Kana also opened their house when they were out of the country and let them have family dinner at their house in their backyard, you know, um, when they were out of the country on mission. And she said, this is my fiance. And we met in your backyard when you weren't even here and we're engaged. (laughs) And she said, so I go, she's like, I want to thank you for like, really like basically she said, spiritually fathering me, you know, and opening up your home. And then she looked at me and says, oh, I listened to the podcast. And then she proceeded to share things from her heart. And she's like, thank you so much for the three of you spiritually mothering me, you know, through Mm. the podcast. And then she was so gracious awesome and then she walked away and Andy and I looked at each other and go what just happened here <laughs> what, like, what just happened here yeah. you know but it was such a powerful moment it was just like you know, just the yeses they're simple but then they bear fruit and that's all that the Lord was doing and it was just beautiful to see you know that come together and that is a powerful thing you know mm-hmm. so just in our Advent season what is the Lord just saying asking us to say yes in the simple you know where is he asking us to open up you know our manger, you know, mm-hmm. our stable, whatever it is. And so, okay. Uh, so, amen. So, yeah. So with that, we, we want to talk about our one things for the week. Mine seems so vain and trivial now. I don't, I don't even want to like talk about my one thing. I'm like, uh, it just, it was something dumb, but it just like was bringing me a lot of happiness. So <laughs> I don't know if it's like... Say it. I'm, I, I want to know your one thing, sister. <laughs> okay. Well, this is, it, it really is lame, but um, you know how wintertime is like hot tea season, you know? 
And if you ever had a tea bag that's like steep five to seven minutes, like or steep 10 minutes, and like, how do you do that if you don't have a little hat for your teacup? Okay, so my mom gave me a hat for my teacup, which is mine. Thank you very much. And it's a little polyurethane hat that keeps your tea hot so it steeps and it just makes life better. Yeah. So can I just, I'm going to send a picture of it and you can get these on the internet. You can probably get it at Target. I don't know. But just a simple little tea hat makes your tea better. Isn't that ridiculous? But it's happening. It's Sister, happening. if you had it's your own right brand of tea hats, I would buy, I'd buy that <laughs> with your face on it. Yeah, awesome. that's, that's Let's not do a bad it. idea. And the Biden so Together totally shop coming yeah, soon. Yeah, my nose could be like this part right here. Okay, yeah. <laughs> All right, Heather, it can only go up from here, people. It can only get better. So, Heather, what is your one thing for the week? Okay, so my one thing... I don't know if everybody does this in the States or if it's more of like a British Canadian thing, but Christmas tarts, you guys make tarts? No, Not a thing? Okay. Not a thing. Okay. So listeners, let me share with you. We make tarts up here. Very Canadian one would be a butter tart, which is delicious. Mm. But I'm going to share with you a recipe for a coconut jam tart that is going to blow your mind. And I will put it all in the show notes. It's a family favorite recipe handed down from my mama. So I'll put it on there. And it is a super good treat. Even for people who are like, I don't really like coconut. It's delish. So I'll put it on there for a little fancy treat for your Christmas season. Which you need a cup of tea and a tea hat with. See, now here we go. Here we go. Totally. All right. It's yeah, tying totally. all together. All right. I feel yeah, it's it good. Is right. I feel yeah, good it about this. It always does. Okay. Yeah. Michelle, Michelle, what about you? <laughs> So, like, Jesus is coming back soon because I'm giving a recipe as my... Oh, my gosh. I know, right? I do cook. Domestic goddess. I know, seriously. I do cook, but I'm not, like, one of these ones like Heather that loves to cook. I cook for functionality, not for, like, the art form of it. Um, So, but I have a... If you come to my house, you will probably eat this because I make it all the time. But it's a white chicken chili, cilantro, lime, chicken chili. Mm -hmm. But people are like, oh, I don't want to have people over. This feeds a cast of thousands. Like, and that's how I learned to cook because (laughs) I lived in community as soon as I got married and I didn't know how to cook. So I didn't know. I learned how to cook cooking for 30 to 40 people. You know, maybe that's why I don't love it as much. But anyway, so this is a great recipe. It can feed tons. And so when you're like, I don't know what to make, just make this, put it in a slow cooker. It'll be great. You can feed tons of people. Mm-hmm. Amen. Mm-hmm. And so that's Ooh, it. Awesome. Okay. Nice. Annie, what is your one Annie thing? Hickman. Well, What's your right. one thing? So, we're, so we're, we're, um, we're, we're eating tarts with our tea <laughs> And yes. our white chicken chili, which we had last night. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Amen. Did my wife get the recipe from you? I don't. Maybe. Maybe it's your know. white chicken chili we had last night. I don't. <laughs> it's know. famous. Um, it's a word on the street. I'm gonna say uh, there is. So during during the holidays when the the kids are off of school, you know, in Advent. I mean, right now we are just, um, you know, we ha- we have a huge break. Uh, our school has a gigantic break, so we always read. Um, so with the tea and the tart and the chicken chili, this would be great. Mm-hmm. Start a fire, read um, the uh, the wing feather saga. I'm gonna see. I didn't go during the dark. Um, okay, I didn't mention the name, so go ahead. Okay, Andrew Andrew Peterson uh, the, and the wing <laughs> feather saga is a great uh, you know f- uh, fantasy books that you know are, are like uh, Narnia. You know they're they're absolutely mm-hmm. awesome. We love mm-hmm. Andrew Peterson. We love his music and his writing. And uh, and yeah, this is a this is a uh, crowd favorite at at my house. The the wing feather, feather saga. Yeah, mm. Annie, I just started reading it to my kids, mm. and I've like become obsessed with mm. Andrew Peterson. Mm. And so best mm. thing. Ever. Did you know Rich Mullins isn't is in there? You guys want to have your own episode? We yeah, we could just like we could leave now if you want. I mean, that's sister, yeah. let's go. Let's get out of here. 
<laughs> oh, just you wait. We're going to interview him for the podcast. I'm determined. And so I just, oh, awesome. I love it. Annie Hickman, it has been a sheer delight to have you on our yes. show. Thank you so love much. Love you, ladies. Y'all are awesome. Thank you. Give our love to Kana. And dear listeners, yeah, maybe just making yourself available this week, you will encounter Christ in unexpected and beautiful ways. And so for the second week of Advent, thank you so much for joining us. And we will be abiding together. See you next week. God bless you. If our podcast has blessed you, would you please consider financially supporting Abiding Together via Patreon? Patreon is a website where people can make donations to help keep the podcast going. And now that we at Abiding Together have an independent platform, we have a number of costs that go into creating the podcast and the high quality content we offer, such as our website, design, tech support, staff, and other elements. Having an independent platform also allows us to explore and create new content for all of our listeners to enjoy. So thank you so much to all of you who are already donors. When you donate through our page on Patreon, you are able to donate any amount, $1 a month, $5 a month, $500 a month, or just a one-time offering. Abiding Together is a registered 501c3 nonprofit organization and donations are tax deductible. So would you please prayerfully consider giving to Abiding Together? If you donate $15 or more per month, you become a tribe member and you will receive a short individual video from Michelle, Heather, and I each month about a variety of topics. You can see all of the information on our Patreon page, which is patreon.com forward slash abiding together podcast. So consider becoming a supporting member today and help us further the work of the Holy Spirit moving in and through this community. Together, we can do amazing things. We are so grateful for your support and may God bless you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you liked it, would you please share it with a friend? Could you also leave us a rating and a review on iTunes? That helps us get the message out to as many people as possible. All the show notes are in your podcast app, but if you'd like them emailed to you, you can go to our website at abidingtogetherpodcast.com and subscribe. On our website, you will also find all of our past episodes and information about various episodes. You can also join our private Facebook group and get in on the discussion and all the beautiful things that are happening there. We are so glad that you are on the journey with us. And until next week, we'll be abiding together. God bless you.